morning. So it's now time for the uh, Bible reading. And we're doing um, Psalm number 18, and that's on page 389. And you'll see in verse 4, The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, but the power did not fail. Did you get the joke? No. Okay, Psalm 18. For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song, when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hands of Saul. And he said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My rock is my, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snarls of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the most high resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies, great bolts of lightning and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from powerful enemies, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure. And to the crooked you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against the troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for you, God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except your God? It is God 
who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes, me f- makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path before me so that my ankles do not turn. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow down at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them to the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as dust born on the wind and poured them out like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I do not know are subject to me. As soon as they hear me, they obey me. Foreigners cringe before me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their stronghold. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. Exalted be God my saviour. He's the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From violent men you rescued me. Therefore I will praise you among the nations, O Lord. I will sing praise to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Imagine David showing this song to a friend. So he sings these words. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold. You could almost imagine his friend saying, yes, yes, David, it's it's, it's all about you, isn't it? It feels like a very personal kind of intimate song that we're allowed to listen in on. But are we just the audience when it comes to this song? Or is there some sense in which this can be our song as well, which we can sing it too? That's our job for today, actually, to figure out if we can share David's song, to figure out if his confidence that you probably noticed as that song was read, that overwhelming confidence, brimming, if that confidence can be ours as well. Can we expect that God's going to look after us with the same confidence that David seems to have, that God would always look after him? Well, we're going to have a closer look at this song and see. The first thing to see is that this song is David looking back over his life. So this song's written about a thousand years before Jesus was born. And have a look at the heading at the start of the song, which shows this. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this song is David saying to the world, I was right to have confidence in God. And look at just how strong his confidence is. We see it in this string of metaphors in verses 2 and 3. See, he could have just said, God keeps me safe. But the thing about metaphors is they give more than just information. They give the emotion as well. So he says, God is his rock. And you start to feel the weight of this when you think about David and his life. When you picture him hiding in those caves, if you know the story, amongst the rocks, 
while outside his enemies are searching for him to kill him. And he says, God is his stronghold. And again, you start to feel the weight of this when you think about David's life, the countless battles that he's been in against the Philistines. And imagine the feeling of relief when you find yourself in in a stronger position, in in a kind of fortress, a stronghold, where the enemy can't advance against you unless they want to lose their life because your position is that good. David says, God is his shield. And here you really feel the weight of what he's saying. Every arrow or, or spear or javelin that ends up hitting your shield, that your shield deflects and absorbs for you, is one that, had it got through, would have caused you great harm. God is his personal, intimate, protecting force. David uses images drawn from his life to express his great confidence in God. He's got no need for fear when God's on his side. Wouldn't you love to share David's confidence? To be absolutely sure that God's strength was always surrounding you like like a shield. To be able to have absolute confidence that you were safe from every danger. Now keep in mind, David had this confidence in God, even though things weren't smooth sailing for him. In fact, if you know the life of David, it was the opposite most of the time, wasn't it? There were plenty of times where David could have doubted God. Decades where he must have been wondering what on earth God was doing. Look at how he describes these times in verses 4 and 5. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. Most of David's life, he was surrounded by enemies who were choking the life out of him, closing in on him. For most of his life, he just could never get any rest. Even though he was innocent, he was driven from his land, from his home, from his family, from his country. Even his own wife was taken from him. His life was absolutely full of hard times. But still, David kept his confidence in God despite the circumstances. And he was right to do that, wasn't he? He was right to have his confidence in God because every time God rescued him, God brought him through the hard times. Think about David's life again and and pretty much every battle David fought, he was outgunned like we saw as a boy against Goliath. Or he was outnumbered like against Saul or against the Philistines. And yet God always was on his side. And again, wouldn't you love to have David's confidence that when circumstances for us are going wrong, when life's a mess, when it feels like you're being overwhelmed, wouldn't you love to have this kind of confidence despite the circumstances that you can just patiently wait for God's rescue, because you're 100% sure it's coming. I, um, I personally hate the unknown. I think some of us, some of our personalities struggle with dealing with the unknown more than, the other, than others, but I hate not knowing what's going to happen. So when Evie was born three months premie, that's a picture of her there just after she was born, I hated it. I just wanted to know what we were in for. I wanted to know that she'd make it through. I wanted to know that she'd be able to walk and and she'd be able to talk and be able to hear, 
be able to see. I wanted confidence that somehow everything would be okay. And every time something goes wrong in my life, it's always the same. I wish I had David's confidence. But when it comes to his enemies, David's confidence in God was rock solid. And as it turned out, he had good reason to be confident. Look at how David describes God's rescue in verses 6 through to 19. In verse 6, God hears David's cry in his heavenly temple. Verse 7, God's so angry that mountains shake. Verse 8, smoke and fire comes from God's mouth. Verse 9, God himself comes down. And verse 10, he rides the cherubim. Now this is poetic language. Nothing like this literally happened. It's not trying to point to one particular event. This is David saying that God was on his side. It's painting a picture for how God deals with David's enemies. And it's not really a picture where you say, oh, look at that cute little cherub, all rosy-cheeked and naked, trying to fly, holding that old man up. It's, It's not that picture at all, is it? It's a terrifying picture of smoke and earthquake and fire and, and, and some smoke coming out of the Lord's mouth, of storm. Whenever God is pictured in the Old Testament as showing up, it's like this. It was like this when he parted the Red Sea. It was like this when God showed up at Mount Sinai. When God shows up, it, it's terrifying. And this is a bit of a tangent. But does this picture of God fit your picture of God? I remember sharing a car trip with a guy who liked to take a a bit from all religions. He was sort of Hindu, but he also went to church. And he'd like to just take a bit here and there. He'd build his picture of God from all over the place. It, It seemed to me as I was talking to him that he kind of had a Mr. Potato Head view of God. You know, Mr. Potato Head, you choose the eyes, you choose the nose, you just choose whatever you like and you create him, you mix and match. And sometimes we try and do that with God. But I've noticed that people who have a kind of Mr. Potato Head view of God, they never seem to choose this bit. Their picture of God never seems to line up with this terrifying picture that you find in the Bible. Now, on the one hand, I don't blame them for wanting a softer, tamer kind of God. But on the other hand, it's kind of ironic that we would feel that we have the right to tell God who he should and shouldn't be. Seems to me that that would give him very good reason to be angry at us. But David, David has no problem with this God. In fact, David loves this God and he loves him because of his anger. He loves him because God directs his anger against David's enemies, against people who are trying to kill him, even though he's innocent. I was talking to someone the other day who found herself getting angry at someone who was treating people badly, and she kind of scared herself. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you've sort of got so mad and it's sort of uncharacteristic. She said she'd only ever got angry like that once before, and that was when an adult had been treating her children badly. But that's a pretty good reason to get angry, isn't it? So you won't see me get fired up too often. But if you treat my kids badly, really badly, then you've got a good chance of of seeing me get angry. 
please don't accept that as a sort of challenge. I'm not laying the gauntlet out there. But my point is, sometimes anger is entirely the right reaction. And whenever God gets angry, it's always entirely the right reaction. Because God gets angry when those he loves are mistreated. Have you ever heard someone say, I'd believe in God if he just showed up, if he just showed himself to me? It shows that they have no idea, no idea of the enormity of God. They're completely ignorant of who God is. Because unless you're like David, unless you're 100% sure that God's on your side, you don't want him to show up. If God is against you, it's terrifying. And this, of course, gets us right back to our question. Can we share David's confidence that God's on our side? Well, we're getting closer to an answer because in the middle of the song, David says some things about why God has dealt with him like he has. Did you notice that? See, I mean, the structure of the the psalm goes like this. At the beginning and the end, David praises God. So in verses 1 to 3 there at the beginning, you can see, and verses 46 to 50, they kind of parallel each other. Then verses 4 to 19, where we just saw that picture of how God saves David. And then verses 31 to 45, they also parallel each other. The first section is is very metaphorical. It's very poetic kind of language. The second part of that is saying exactly the same thing, but in more literal language about how God saves David in a literal way. And in the middle, in verses 20 to 31, is a section that explains why God has dealt with David like he has. And the answer actually begins just in the verse just before that, verse 19. Why does David have confidence in God? Well, he says, he rescued me because he delighted in me. There's a special relationship between David and God. God delights in him. That's, that's why he gets angry when he's threatened. It's why he rescues him. But then there's another reason given why God rescued David. Have a look at verse 20. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. And verse 24 pretty much says the same thing. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. And everything in between these two verses is explaining what David's righteousness looked like. Have a look at it with me. Verse 21. He kept the ways of the Lord. He was not guilty of turning from God. Verse 22, God's laws were before him. He didn't turn away from God's decrees. Verse 23, he was blameless before God. He kept himself from sin. So we're given two reasons why God rescued David. Because God delights in David. And because David is righteous before him. Despite the circumstances, David kept trusting in God. He was absolutely confident that God wouldn't disappoint him. And because he kept trusting in God faithfully, God didn't disappoint him. Have a look at verses 25 and 26 where we kind of see that principle explained. To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure. But to the devious you show yourself shrewd. The simple fact is that God stands by those who stand by him. He won't let them down. So in the middle part of this song, we see that David's confidence in God comes from the fact that God delights in him. 
And it comes from the fact that he stayed faithful to God. So can we share his confidence? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still not sure that I can. I'm not sure that I can sing this song and really put my heart into it. It just doesn't seem to fit me. Occasionally I get a song stuck in my head that doesn't really seem to fit me. So I'll be walking around singing, It's raining men, hallelujah, it's raining men. And then I'll just stop at some point and think, What am I doing? What am I singing? It it just doesn't fit. (laughs) Unfortunately, five minutes later, there it is again. It's been a tortured kind of week, not just for me. In a very real sense, David's song doesn't fit us. Now, there are some bits that sort of do, but as a whole, it, it just doesn't work for us. I can't really say that because of my faithfulness, God's going to be faithful to me without adding a whole heap of qualifications to that. I find it hard to say that because I've kept myself from sin, God's going to rescue me. Or because he delights in me, like he delights in David, I can be confident that he'll look after me. It just doesn't seem to fit. But actually, that's exactly what the song tells us. Look at verse 50. David says, He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David, and to his descendants forever. See, whose song is this? It's not David's song as some random bloke. It's David's song as God's chosen king, as his anointed, his Christ. There really is something special about the relationship between David and God. This is not our song. This is God's chosen king's song. It's David and his descendants' song, who God loves with unfailing love. Which means that ultimately, this is Jesus' song, isn't it? See, Jesus is, he's not just a king like David, descended from David. He's everything that David was supposed to be and more. I mean, think about some of the features of the song and how they compare to Jesus. God loves Jesus with an unfailing love and and delights in Jesus even more than in David. At Jesus' baptism, God says, this is my beloved son. I take delight in him. And Jesus, of course, much more than David, can say that God's dealt with him according to his righteousness. He's got no trouble saying that he's blameless before God and has kept himself from sin. And Jesus, even more than David, can say that God rescued his life. Death entangled him. The cords of the grave coiled around him. But God rescued him from death, raised him up, and exalted him above his foes far, far beyond David. This song, it it doesn't fit us, but it fits Jesus perfectly, even better than it fits David. But here's the thing. Because of Jesus we really can share in this song. The song doesn't naturally fit us, but because of what Jesus does for us, he makes it our song too. So just like with David as their king, God's people could share in this song, even more so with Jesus as our king, we can share in this song. And I want to show you five ways, there's at least five ways that we can share in this song. And ultimately, every one of them comes to us through Jesus. Here's the first one. In verse 30, David says, 
the Lord's word is flawless. This is true no matter who you are. See, we can share in singing that, can't we? God's word or his promises always prove true. So the Lord's word to David was that he would take him from being a shepherd boy and make him king of Israel. That's how David could be so confident that God would save him from his enemies. It was God's word, his promise. And God's promises to us also will always be proven true. Charles Spurgeon wrote that God has given no pledge which he will not redeem and encourages no hope which he will not fulfill. But Spurgeon also went on to say that quite often people don't make use of God's promises. He said um, it's kind of like we've got a check that we just don't ever cash in. I'm terrible like that actually with gift cards. I had a, a generous boss once who gave me a Christmas present of a $250 Coles gift card which I would only ever remember after I'd paid for all the stuff at the checkout. It just about expired. We can be like that with God's promises. We might know about them, but we just don't claim them. We never really make use of them. I mean, think about some of them. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do we claim that? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and it will be given to you. When was the last time we've claimed that? Or this one, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Often we forget that we have these promises, and it's like we're trying to do it in our own strength, alone. But something else we can do, it's almost the opposite. We can try and cash in on promises that God's never actually made to us. We can think that he's promised us things when he just hasn't. One of my kids is like that. He's, he's always arguing with us about what we've promised him. You know, you said I could stay up watching TV, playing your iPhone, eating chocolate at 10 o'clock at night. It's like, where did that come from? I remember talking to a guy who'd given up on God because he was desperately in love with a girl and she didn't love him back. And he cried out to God. And God hadn't answered his prayer how he wanted, so he'd given up on God. I just couldn't believe that he thought that God had promised him such a strange thing. You know, it seems so silly that this guy thought that God had promised to be like a a love potion for him and make this girl fall in love with him. But then again, don't we all get confused? Don't we all have confused ideas about what we think God promises us? And sometimes we don't discover that our ideas are confused till we find ourselves in those really hard situations. You know, at those times we can surprise ourselves, but deep down we discover that we're really thinking, I thought I was promised good health, or I thought I was promised a harmonious family life, or I thought I was promised happiness. See, we need to know what we're promised so that we can claim those promises. But we also need to know them so that we don't claim things that we're not promised. Like David, we're not promised smooth sailing. See, I wasn't promised that everything would be okay in this life when Evie was born three months premier. But I was promised that even in that hard time, God wouldn't abandon me. He would ultimately look after us, even if it meant sickness, 
even if it meant she didn't make it through, I was promised that God would see us safely home to his side, to a place where death could never touch us again. I was promised he was absolutely on my side. You see, every promise we have from God, we only have as we're connected to Christ. And get this, outside of Christ, God has promised us nothing. So as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. See, it's because of him and him only that we can share in this song. And this brings us to the next way that we can share in this song. Because in verse 30, the Lord's word is flawless. And what we're promised is that God shields all who take refuge in him. Now, that's another thing that's true no matter who we are, isn't it? We can share in singing that. See, if we take refuge in God, he'll be for us that personal, intimate protection, deflecting, absorbing anything that threatens to do us harm. As, as most of you know, I ride a scooter. It's um, 150cc, two-stroke. It turns heads, mostly because of the noise and the sort of smoke cloud that goes along with it. But it's incredibly trendy. trendy. It's also incredibly lethal. Every time I take that thing out on the road, it's a decision to face the traffic alone, unshielded. Now, when I don't think about it, it's all fine, but occasionally something breaks through, usually a four-wheel drive coming across into my lane. And I realise at those points just how crazy it is to be riding a weak little thing out there with nothing between me and those crazy cars. That's why it's listed on Gumtree if anyone's interested. Just come talk to me afterwards. <laughs> now, we either face life alone, like that, unshielded, with nothing between us and life's dangers, or we take refuge in God. See, life's true dangers, they're not necessarily what we might think. Life's true dangers aren't financial or physical. The real dangers are the devil, people's sinfulness, and our own sinfulness, which threaten, threatens to demand that God's terrifying anger be directed against us, rightly directed against us. And we either face these dangers alone or we take refuge in God. And the way God shields us, of course, is through Jesus. Jesus shields us from every danger that threatens to cut us off from eternal life. He shields us from the consequences of our own sin, from the devil. He absorbs God's anger. He deflects it onto himself. The third way we can share in this song is that remaining faithful to God for us, like David, will also never disappoint. See, now this is another thing that's true no matter who we are. We can share in singing this, can't we? Like David, as we, as we keep looking to God, we can know we won't be disappointed. I uh, once met the Duke of Edinburgh and before I met him a couple of weeks out I was sent a royal protocol. It teaches you things like how to curtsy and, and different things. Obviously Paul Keating didn't get one of these before he uh, met with the Queen because it says clearly don't touch them, don't even try to shake their hands unless they offer their hand, all these sorts of things. It, it really built up the occasion and then when the day came there we were waiting for an hour, an hour and a half, apparently 
The Duke prefers horses over uni students. I don't know why, but finally he arrives. He whizzes around a 30-second conversation, makes a joke I didn't understand, and then he was gone. It was disappointing, incredibly disappointing. It's not like that with God. He answers our, our faithful waiting with faithfulness. See, our confidence in him won't be disappointed. He rewards our trust in him. And our reward comes with Jesus. We can share this song because our faithful waiting for Jesus won't be disappointed. God will show himself faithful. The next way we can share in this song is that our confidence that God is on our side can be as rock solid as David's confidence. See, we can have this same rock solid confidence as David. Not that things are going to go smoothly, but that God will be for us. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what anxiety we feel, there's an even deeper certainty. We can share it that God is on our side, that God will work all the details out. No matter how messy they are, no matter how long it takes, no matter how painful, we can know with rock-solid confidence that God is on our side. And this comes again, as you know, through Jesus. Look at how Paul talks about it in Romans 8, verse 31. He says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And so finally, we can share in this song because we can share the same love for God that David has. Apparently, I'm not a real blokey kind of bloke. I know this might shock you. Better. <laughs> I, I learned this when a minister told me that he, was, he wanted me to be in a certain Bible study group so that I could bridge the gap between the blokey blokes and the not-so-blokey blokes. I really didn't know how to take it when he said it to me. It's quite a confusing thing. Should I have been offended that I wasn't considered one of the blokey blokes? Should I have been honoured that I was kind of like the person finally bringing the blokey blokes and non-blokey blokes together, the rainmaker of blokes? Or should I have been happy that at least I wasn't the, the least blokey bloke there? As you can tell, I'm still confused by all of this. I bought a ute, trying to compensate. But unlike me, David, he's clearly a blokey bloke, right? There's no doubt about it. He's a warrior. He's been in battle countless times. He's camped out in the desert. He's lived life on the run with other outlaws. He's wrestled lions. He's a man's man. He makes Bear Grylls look like a moisturizer model. And yet, how does this tough guy start his song? This blokey bloke. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. It's striking, isn't it? For some reason, us men can struggle with expressing love for God 
which means we either haven't understood what it means to love God or we haven't really understood what it means to be a man. The picture of a man who's unable to show emotion, that's just a cultural thing. It's got nothing to do with true masculinity. The right response, no matter who we are, whether male or female, blokey bloke or less blokey bloke, the right response to what God's done for us in Jesus is love for him, for God, our strength, our rock, our fortress, our shield. And so if Jesus is our king, then we're not just spectators in this song. We can sing it too. Yes, it's Christ's song. But through him we can share his confidence that we don't need to fear a terrifying God. We have a terrifying God always and forever on our side. Let's speak to him now. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of you. We truly fear you. And yet at the same time, we thank you that because of Christ, we don't need to be terrified of you. Your power, your strength is on our side. Lord, we are amazed at that and so thankful. Help us to respond in love and in confidence all our days that no matter what the mess we're facing, we can know you've got it covered, that it might be painful, it might be long, but you will bring us safely to your side. We thank you so much for this confidence. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.